0: After a three-hour love fest in my hotel room. This is the best. This is the best. This
1: confirms. Go.
0: Yeah. After a three-hour love fest in my (laughs) hotel room, I had offered to take her out to eat, and she agreed, showered, perhaps for the new boyfriend, and got ready. But at some point after coming off the elevator, I lost her in the crowd on the casino floor. She pulled a Houdini on me. She apologized later when I brought it up. She had also requested that I don't leave any marks on her, so my guess is that this was for the benefit of the new boyfriend, who also might be unaware of the true extent of her poly lifestyle. Although she has told me things that suggest that maybe he is aware.
1: I'm Don Hall, and I'm David Himmel, and this is the Literate Apecast. The Literate Ape guy uses bad words. If you don't like bad words, maybe then listen to it. <laughs> you know uh i the other day um it, very interesting this weekend is like uh, you know it, you you self published books i've self published books it is it's always good when you get somebody to review it even if they really hate the book and i've had some of those too but it's very interesting when you put out a book like i didn't marry a prostitute you expect reactions i mean it's a it's it's kind of a loaded subject right And it's a loaded story. story. Little clickbait. It's it's good. That's, that's a good title because you want to think, Oh, what's this about? Yeah. And, and the reality is it's true to the book itself. It's a, it's an unusual book. But what's really weird is the other day I got a, I got a notification on Goodreads and I don't really do Goodreads that often, but my books automatically start to populate. Uh, my author page has me credited for writing a bunch of vegetarian books different Don Hall. They won't take it off my thing, whatever. But I got a notification that I got a new review and it was a five star review. Mm -hmm. And then I, I read the review and realized that this is a review written by one of my ex-wife's clients. And when I say, and when I say client and I say that loaded, I mean, John. And when I say John, I mean, paying customer for sexual favor. So um and this is a review written by a guy named Matthew Glenny. Um a review of my book, a five-star review. Uh and, and he, stars, he, five. Nice. He seemed he actually seemed to really like the book, but uh but yeah this is one of this is one of her clients. She you know it confirms a couple of things for me. Uh David Fink asked when I was in Chicago, do you think she actually was a prostitute? Or she just said that to get out of the marriage? And I, you know, I had enough things that I thought kind of backed up the the truth of it. But then this just confirms. I mean, this if if there's nothing else, this puts that question to rest because this is he even describes one of their as he calls it three hour love fests in his hotel. I mean, it's what? just it's yeah, it's it's. But my mom, when I told my mom this, her first reaction was, "Are you sad about it?" I went no i said honestly this is fucking awesome this is the craziest i mean now my my elevator pitch you know it's like doon 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 doon. we engaged in the third date married in vegas five years in chicago went to vegas she became a prostitute i wrote a book about it and now i get to say and one of her prostitution clients wrote a five-star review of the book i mean that is like that's like a. That's a great story. It's fucking perfect, man. So yeah. That was a good journey. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's that's
0: what's happened to me this weekend. <laughs> what I what I loved about this review is, it was I think it's a great, it's a great review. It is it is flattering of the book. It is flattering of the author. Um, it is also flattering of the prostitute. Yes. Where it gets funny, is. There are moments of uh monogamy shame
1: there there is definitely, monogamy shaming the, the, well there there's there's two things that I found most interesting. One was this entire paragraph supposing w- w- why didn't they have kids because kids will save the marriage and there there's that that paragraph, and then there's the whole paragraph, you know he he makes the point to let you know, let me know he finds the the book whiny, but when he gets to why it's whiny. Yeah, it's 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 that I don't want to share my toys. Yeah. And it's yeah. It, you know, and he keeps he keeps referring to what she does as a poly lifestyle, which I have some issue with. But OK, well, let's let's go
0: through it bit by bit and we'll uh we'll do a, a dramatic reading. I will do a dramatic presentation. Of the review, and we will react to it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is for the book. This is a this is Matthew Glennie's review for I Didn't Marry a Prostitute, A Sordid Tale of Deceit, Disillusionment, and Divorce. Five stars. Posted November
1: 15th, 2023, the Year of Our Lord. And just so you know, I just, I just before you get into it, I must say, he he bought the book November 13th. So oh wow he yeah, read, read this through, thing yeah. he burned through this book so
0: you know also before we get into it i just got to say if nothing else you know for all the heartache all the the questioning all the doubt all of the the horror that you went through with this it at least got you one book sale from dana
1: you know yeah, i mean she's yeah, helping you yeah. sell books so i i guess so you know it's like all right you know silver linings hey the thing is if if, if her clients decide to buy my book this could become a bestseller
0: yeah look out new york times because her <laughs> legs are wide open they're just spread for the world yes i am personally familiar with the pixie villain in this story <laughs> i met her about a month after this book was published most of the attributes ascribed to her in the book are accurate Some might disagree with my use of the label, quote, villain for the author's wife, now ex-wife, but I'm going with it for grins. She is an exceptionally pretty lady with an intriguing personality. She has that European or French elegance that comes naturally to her. And she has class. One of my kinks is using degrading words or names, and it took a little doing to get her to play along. She is happier to use names for her partners, but what she is not is a heartless bitch. I've had the unfortunate occasion to meet plenty of those during my career as a polyamorous mongrel, and she doesn't even come close to that. It appears to me that the author was either a cuckold or willfully blind to what she was showing him from day one.
1: Well, and and the thing is, I'm pretty happy. I'm not happy, but I'm pretty open about admitting, yes, I was absolutely a cuckold. I mean, there's no question that I, although sort of the modern pornography version of cuckold is... You know, a dude who willingly wants to watch his wife have sex with other people and sits in the room and watches. And that's, that's what, but the actual, the actual, uh, definition of cuckold is someone whose partner was unfaithful to them. That's the definition of cuckold. I mean, it comes from the cuckoo of a bird that lays, you know, that takes the eggs from other nests, you know, that's, I mean, that's what, so, Yeah, I absolutely was a cuckold. However, I was what I would, I I was an unwitting cuckold. If you read the book and apparently he did. Yeah, I recognized that. Yeah. In fact, I even say in the book, this was my fault. All the signs were there. I just didn't see them because I was, and I think he's right. I was blind, but I blinded by love. There's a story called the Foley artiste that basically says I was blind. And she led me, you know, that led me astray. And so it was, and, and there's, there's in the, uh, it's the serial killer story. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a point where she says, remember when I snowballed you, you know, um, I sucked your dick, you came in my mouth. And then I spit the come back in your mouth. That really happened. It was not consensual. It was not, she didn't say, Hey, I'm going to do this. She suddenly surprised me with it. Not cool. And I told her at the time, that's not fucking cool. Well, that's a microcosm of my cuckoldry in that for two and a half years, she was fucking anything that moved for money and not whatever, didn't tell me, lied about it, lied about it over and over and over. So yeah, I can, I can say to Matthew, yeah, I'm totally a cuckold, but I was an unwitting cuckold and, uh, and it was the, it wasn't the sex, but it was the lying that, uh, that prompted the divorce. He
0: wanted to stay in his imaginary world and liked her enough to turn a blind eye to the rest until the truth was forced upon him. It was only when it appeared as if the truth might go public that he decided he could not handle the humiliation. Privately, he was willing to suppress a lot, but his public image was too fragile to handle a prostitute wife whom he married after a very brief courtship in Chicago in a very private wedding in Vegas. Even though the title says, I didn't marry a prostitute, I suspect he did marry someone who displayed a poly lifestyle quite openly, and he had every opportunity to be aware of that fact now, b- based on what you just said, that's all
1: tr- true well, that's an no, accurate well, assumption see, i think. see see well there are two things I would say that first of all, no i I didn't it to say that i was that that the divorce came from my fear of public humiliation.
0: That's not true.
1: That's completely not true. Yeah, because not true. why, if I was afraid of public humiliation, why would I publish a fucking book about it? Right. I mean, that's, if if the whole point was right. public humiliation was what really caused the divorce. I, yes. That's, so that makes no sense. Anyway, um, in terms of, uh, and he uses this a lot. Uh, he, he refers to what she does as a poly lifestyle. All right. Now here's the thing. Um, you can, she was a, a, nude model. Um, she had done pornography. Um, she was, you know, she, she dressed provocatively, but at no point did she say, and that's what adults do. I mean, children just expect you to figure it out based on outlying behavior. Um, adults say, I want to have sex with multiple partners at the get go. Mm-hmm. So the idea that she that that I should have been aware of all of her poly lifestyle choices, they were not there. There was at no point. She had friends. I have friends that are polyamorous. We we never talked about it for ourselves. We never had the conversation. Hey, let's be polyamorous. Let's have an open marriage. We never had that conversation um, until she laid on me, she had had been fucking a dude for three years and then was a prostitute. Let's have an open marriage, which I it's in the book. That's not how open marriages work. You don't, you don't get, you don't fuck around for three years, get caught and then say, well, I'd like an open relationship. That's just not how it works. So while he's right, I can say hindsight is 2020. Yeah. I can see all of those things now add up because the inevitable conclusion yeah, you you've written about it. and we've yeah. talked about it. That like yeah. all the
0: signs were there. You either missed them, or chose to ignore them, or chose to or you I didn't know, think the thing is
1: them down. Or I chose to believe what she said rather than this host of like. I mean, she was she had you know she's always very focused on sex and and that was a thing. But she and I had conversations during the marriage in Chicago about cheating. And how, and she, at one point she even said, at one point she got very upset and was like, I really, she was in a band. She really wanted, she was fixated on this band leader and she was really fucking wanting to fucking. And she came to me and said, I, I feel really bad because this, I can't get him out of my head. And I said, okay, well, do you want to, I mean, do you want to go with him? And she said, well, what does that mean for us? And I said, well, if you want to go be with him, it means we're going to get a divorce. I said, because that's not how I, I mean, no offense. And that's what I told her. It's like, it's like, and I understand shaming me for not wanting to have an open relationship. If that's your gig, that's fine. That's sort of like shaming me for not liking sushi. You can say, you can say over and over, dude. Yeah. You should fucking like sushi. You should try it. I have tried it. I don't like sushi. So you can't tell me that I have to like sushi or I'm somehow not, I'm unenlightened or I'm morally deficient. I don't do an open marriage. I've never been into that. I'm not going to change my mind on that. She was very open that she was not going to cheat, that this was not the relationship we were supposed to have. We agreed on that. That was the agreement. So it didn't matter what her behavior was unless she, was like openly fucking people and telling me about it, which that never happened until Vegas. The best line in the book actually comes from the author's
0: best friend in Chicago, who was also his best man at the wedding. I'm guessing it's David Himmel, but I can't be sure because it showed up in a fictionalized story chapter wherein the names have been disguised. Quote, here's the thing. You can give a homeless person with signs of mental illness a home, but you can't remove the impulse that put them in the streets in the first place
1: that the thing is first of all joe is my best man right. um second of all it was a piece of fiction no one actually said that that
0: that was where did he pull my name from i mean other than like my name's all over literate ape if he did some kind of
1: like googling or you know the the thing about it is it, and 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 that was when i when i read the thing the first time there, there's a there there is that name check uh, there is the literate a press name check and there is the the last fucking sentence. I just have to, I just, I, I'm going to jump ahead because this to me is just so strange. I appreciate the author for writing this book and sharing his perspective with the world. I also thank him for his immense contributions to public media, especially in PR. Don't, sh- don't skip ahead. No, that's, but hey, I mean- That's I'm, the best part. Though. I know, but, but it's like, it's like he name checks. So when I read it the first time, I thought, did Dana write this? But it doesn't, but, but then when you read it, does it, I, unless it's just very creative, no, I was like, it's, this is not Dana's voice. No, it's, it's not Dana's voice, but I was like, what, what she's the
0: fuck? incredible writer. You know, Dana's voice. She's
1: yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, the thing is, it's like, how, how does this guy know me or us? I mean, he, he's got some very, so either he, in the two days he bought the book, he read the book, he echoes some things that Dana echoed in previous writings that we did not publish. Yeah. You know? Um So they gotta the, talk they that, during that three hour love session. They I, talked. I think there was, I think there was a conversation uh, about this. I think that's why he bought the book. And, and I think he echoes some of her concerns in his, defense of her what you know I, I really don't even see it as a defense of her it's just a mis i think it's a misappropriation of the concept of polyamorous relationships but okay i
0: i also have to go on the unfortunate and probably unnecessary and stupid defense that like i didn't say this line yeah. um i also don't believe in th- you can give a homeless person with signs of mental illness a home but you can't remove the impulse to put them in the streets in the first place i don't fully believe. It is that is way too complicated a uh,
1: situation. Well, and it was and it was about us like that. It was part uh, of a story. I know about. I know about my character meeting everybody going, "Where's your wife?" and me saying, "Well, okay, I lied to you. Um, She didn't. We didn't meet at this storytelling thing. She was a homeless woman that I saw eating out of the garbage." And I thought, "How <laughs> ah, you know?" And so that was the story. It was a fictional story. Yeah. So nobody said that line, but it's all right. I, but I like that he thought it was the best line in the book, so that's fine because I made that
0: up. <laughs> the vanishing trick she pulled on the author, being AWOL for days, is vintage her style. Of course, this guy knows that. After a three-hour love fest in my This hotel is the best. Room, this is the best. This confirms. Go. Yeah. After a three-hour <laughs> love fest in my hotel room, I had offered to take her out to eat, and she agreed. Showered, perhaps for the new boyfriend, and got ready but at some point after coming off the elevator, I lost her in the crowd on the casino floor. She pulled a Houdini on me. She apologized later when I brought it up. She had also requested that I don't leave any marks on her. So my guess is that this was for the benefit of the new boyfriend who also might be unaware of the true extent of her poly lifestyle. Although she has told me things that suggest that maybe he is aware, or perhaps it was for the for the benefit of the next poly rendezvous. She is the kind of person you cannot easily forget. Don Hall provides many descriptions, short stories, and even some poetry to paint that picture quite vividly. The book is extremely well-written and enjoyable, not dense. Albeit, it could have used a bit more proofreading, since I did find several typos, especially numerous toward the end. I wish I had the patience to note them and pass them on to the publisher at latter Press, but I was far too embroiled in enjoying the author's character sketch of the book's villain. Uh, my one note on that, real quickly, is this is, we were talking about this the other night. Yeah. This is where you move fast and do things, and I want you to slow down a little bit and give me more time to, to edit a little closer. Well, well, and the so thing
1: is, those... to 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 be perfectly, and this is you know this is a, totally an excuse, but you know, like a book like Casino at the End of the World, I had like six people proofread it, and so that's very well proofread. I didn't have anybody proofread this book because this literally was. This was my version of therapy. So I did the best I could to proofread it, but I didn't really send it to anybody. I didn't ask you or Joe or anybody to proofread this book. I just needed to get it out. Yeah, And so, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I, 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 it's unfortunate that there are typos, but honestly, I could give two shits. And I love the fact that even despite the typos, he was embroiled. So I couldn't help
0: wondering if having a child might have saved their marriage. me of the opportunity to experience her surrender. Oh, God, that line. Ah. is an important point that is no discussed in the book. (laughs) Children often serve as a glue in a marriage, helping to keep it together after the honeymoon period is over. Did neither of them want a child? Probably she didn't want one because it's usually the female who pushes for it. But then it's also the female who usually pushes for marriage. And in this case,
1: it seems Don was the instigator. I, you know, like I said, that is the, there are a couple of paragraphs in this review that I just go, what the fuck? And that's one of them is like, okay. I mean, you know, I don't need to clarify. We didn't have kids period. That's it. Who, who, I mean, I can say after three marriages and I had no kids, it's pretty obvious. I've never wanted to have kids. I've been married three times. I have no children, no progeny. Dana didn't. She didn't even want a dog because it was too much uh, effort. So of course she would not gonna have kids. But again, if we had kids and she and she hit me with "I'm a prostitute," oh, we'd still gotten divorced. But holy shit, would I have? I I mean, I would have taken her serious to court because I guarantee you she would not have gotten even partial custody given what she was doing. <laughs>
0: kids are not glue that keeps no, marriage together they really They're aren't glue that in a <laughs> in many cases keep two people who got divorced engaged with each other's lives exactly children together that's correct. Even then that there's instances where there's children a, a married, married couple has children they get divorced
1: and one of the parents completely
0: bounces the fuck out
1: i know how, how that feels entirely. because because that was my experience several Sometimes. times so this was as a child weird, it was so a weird state. strange a very like
0: conservative like, oh christian you know the family but, stays together very but, which contradicts and it's fine to contradict his his polyamory lifestyle you know human the human experience is complicated and contradictory of itself that's totally fine but it's just it was a weird <laughs> thing to drop in here yeah
1: I, I i found it to be yeah that was that was like what the fuck but okay you know i was like all right the, 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 his opinion is his opinion it's a strange opinion yeah
0: uh, it's a weird book unlike anything i've ever read perhaps again because i'm a boring nonfiction reader the book's <laughs> villain would probably despise <laughs> that about me and call me boring grin grin <laughs> the book is part nonfiction part novel part poetry a volcano of emotions self pity reflection and whining don't get me wrong it's a well-thought-out tale he tells not a mere telling of facts but the organization is a bit haphazard the switching back and forth between nonfiction and fiction left me unclear on what actually happened but it's a fun read nevertheless as a result I remain unclear on the facts and timeline before the story or timeline of the story on page 189 He says he decided to divorce her before he found out her poly lifestyle. I think that was the day he found out she had a boyfriend whom she intended on continuing to see. A day later, he got additional confirmation about her deeply poly lifestyle.
1: You know, um, a lot of that, it's like, yeah, he's just parsing it out. Again, it doesn't make a difference. It's pretty clear, not even like on 180, not page one. It's pretty clear in the first chapter the order of events, you know, it's pretty clear. She, she said, you know, I've been fucking around and I'm not going to leave this guy. I want an open relationship. I said, no, that's not how open relationships work. Um, so if you're going to stay with this guy, we're going to get a divorce. So we get said, okay, we're going to get a divorce. And then two days later, she lows on its line. It's outlined very clearly in the first chapter of the book. Then a couple of days later, it's like, oh, also I've been a prostitute for two and a half years. So we were already getting a divorce. Again, like I said, I did not divorce her because she was a prostitute. I did not I divorced her because she was a liar. You know, that's it. Yeah. And I you know, and it's very clear if you if you
0: read the the dedication. Yes. You know, it's pretty clear that you are 100% okay with sex workers and prostitution and polyamory and because you say this is for the, the sex workers who come by their work honestly or something to that effect
1: yeah yeah exactly if you, that's the thing is i and and i get i get the idea that uh, and you know and and that is that is that is kind of uh you know, we talked about the clickbaity title yeah you know it sounds like my focus is on the prostitution and it's really not it's focused on i married someone who was not a prostitute who became a prostitute it's focused on the deception it's on the deception it's on two and a half to 3 years of just bald face lying and deceit and 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 again i'll say here's the thing and then and I, I you know i thought i thought about this when i read it if i were sitting in a room with uh, matthew i would say i i understand sort of the mushy concept creep Um, that, you know, that, that you're going with, which is the idea that, you know, oh, well, being a, having a, having a boyfriend out of wedlock and lying about it is polyamorous and being a sex worker is polyamorous. No, no, no. Having a boyfriend out of marriage is infidelity. Having prostitution is, is, is having sex for money. None of those things, and I I mean, it's the deceit, and I'm pretty sure, and I know a few people that are in polyamorous relationships, if I were to go to him, so is lying for years at a time, is that part of the program? Is that something you espouse as a polyamorous group? They would say, no, of course we don't lie, because it's not about polyamory, it's about the lying. And as I understand it, because I know a couple of people that are in polyamorous
0: relationships as well honesty the openness that
1: that is the key it's the, to keeping it together it's to the cornerstone it it's the yeah. cornerstone of it so because you know i and again i i get where he's coming from i think yeah. it's it's easy when i say the concept creep it's sort of the same concept creep where now used to be if you told a a dirty joke at the office yeah you're just you're just a rude asshole now you're a sexual harasser. That's not the same thing. And that concept creep is a really weird thing we do with language, uh, sort of in our, since I got thing in like 2014, kind of, we've just kind of gone that direction where the, the smallest of slights become the greatest of things. So now it's a different thing where being a prostitute is, is it's just a poly lifestyle. No, it's not a poly lifestyle choice. Fucking having, numerous partners in honest relationships and all agreeing that this is what we're doing that's polyamorous yeah there are some
0: self-reflective and self-aware p- portions in the book but overall it's the annoying sound of a whiny child standing <laughs> behind you on an airplane who doesn't want to share his toys with the other kids what such monogamous brats feel excuse me What such monogamous brats fail to appreciate is that every time their toy is used by other kids, it comes back to them and it comes back more experienced and full of ideas to enrich the relationship. If only he had accepted the idea of an open relationship. He harps on the claim that he trusted her unconditionally, but that wasn't trust. It was blindness and a refusal to accept the reality staring him in the face until it threatened to become public. At that point, he filed for divorce, in my view, merely to save face. Again, I've already answered that. No, that, yeah. Well, I, my issue is, yeah. is that the, the dig at, uh, what he calls monogamous
1: brats. Well, I get it, It's fine if that's your perspective, but, but spouses are not toys to share. Yes. They're, they're not, true. they're not toys. They're people. And more importantly, if I get a toy, David, if I get a toy, I get an Xbox and I buy it with you. You and I buy it together, right? It's an Xbox, and I and and we don't agree up front. If we agree up front when we buy it that w- that I'm going to take it and I'm going to share it with other people, I'm going to take the Xbox, I'm going to go put it in random places, I'm going to say, "Hey, would you like to use my Xbox? Give me a couple bucks, and and I'll let you have the Xbox for you know a couple days." If we agreed upon that, well, then that's a good thing, and you and I are going to share whatever rental fee I have for the Xbox. But if we don't agree and I suddenly take the Xbox and you're like, hey, I want to play the Xbox. Where's the fucking Xbox, Don? Oh, I don't know. While I'm pocketing the rental money, that's not the same thing. And again, well, it, it, this this analogy is now kind of gone off the rails. What well, it boils here, down to. Here's, a, here's yeah. a better one. Okay. Uh,
0: last week, Harry wanted to take a Transformer toy to school. And we had this discussion about, you know, toys don't go to school. He's like, but for aftercare, it's like, all right. It's like, you know, be careful. You know, you don't want to lose it, you know, because if you, if you take it and you lose it, like, we're not going to just replace it. Like, you need to take care of your stuff, take care of your toys, you know. So I go to pick him up and he says, Daddy, I lost Bumblebee. And I said, oh, buddy, I'm really sorry. What happened? He goes, well, I loaned it to my friend Jax, and and then he gave it to another kid and then that kid just took it okay so that's a toy that belongs to harry that he loaned out in a polyamorous sharing kind of (laughs) way (laughs) but because the toy is not a person the toy has no ability or agency to say no no i want to go back home it just disappears because somebody with a person who can make decisions is like i'm not giving it back and i'm not saying that this kid who
1: didn't give it back did it in a malicious way you know this no is but what happens the with kid, five-year-olds the, the kid yeah. that didn't give it back is now humping the bumblebee yes. doll so yeah
0: there's an interesting description in uh, there's an interesting description of her late in the book she's a cat when she wants affection she gets right up in your face when she doesn't she'll swat at you with her claws was he a cuckold and he can't get himself to admit it <laughs> i admit it
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that in the book, the title of the book it might as well be "Cuckold: A Story." I mean, it's
0: pretty obvious. You know what? Here's an idea. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, the second edition of this book (laughs) comes with a new forward based on the the time that this book has been out, what you've learned. Yeah. Um, it, it fixes those, those typos, typos the, the book, yeah. and it's got a new title oh and it is cuckold. Yeah. Formerly I didn't marry him. <laughs> Worth noting in this. Yeah. Whatever tale is that like unlike is that unlike most Vegas Chronicles, no one here is accusing the villain of hard drug addiction, opium, Coke, or criminal activity, unless you're going to bring up prostitution or adultery here. Yawn. I have to pause because adultery is not criminal. It's, activity. Not, it's not a crime. Prostitution in parts of Nevada is not criminal activity in Clark County. It is. It's is illegal. It, is, it, is it, is it morally criminal? No, no. Is it criminally criminal based on the laws that exist in the county and the city? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, isn't that simply barbarous considering that this was in Vegas? Yeah, whatever. Bottom line. Is that he pretends that her lifestyle choices were unforgivable and grounds for divorce but such behavior is forgiven all the time for the sake of the marriage prostitution often referred to as the oldest profession is alive and well it is often cloaked as escorting sugar dating nude modeling massage with happy ending stripping and so on usually the villain of the story is male who is labeled abnormal deviant or cheating on his spouse usually the one turning a blind eye is the female spouse. It is as common and mundane as me scratching my balls. What's unique about this story is that the roles are reversed. If you read the book Sex at Dawn, The Prehistoric Origins of Modern Sexuality, you learn that engaging sexually with multiple partners is, in fact, normal and has been prevalent throughout history. What is abnormal is the expectation of monogamy, which is the refuge of the insecure in today's modern and materialistic ownership-oriented society. The author had known that his wife was in that prehistoric true mold of human beings. Uh, also also known as polyamorous, he dealt with it for seven years. Toward the end of the book, he tells us that he deleted all her photographs. I've never understood that instinct. Some people have after a failed relationship. How can you delete the photographs of someone you claim to have loved for seven years? Is your
1: ego that fragile?
0: You know, I, I mean, I asked- am unable to...
1: My, clarif- yeah, well. no, my clarification, my clarification for that is that, and this is just you know it's not it's not just Dana whose pictures. I don't have any pictures of my first wife, I don't have any pictures of my second wife, I don't have pictures of Alice. I don't have because, because number one, I mean, and I will speak specifically to the third ex-wife, Dana, is those were pictures of someone that I loved deeply. And I discovered after two and a half years in Vegas that he wasn't that person anymore. And it wasn't because she was a prostitute. It was because for two and a half years, she lied to my face every single day for two and a half years about who she was and what she was doing. She lied to my face. She was no longer the person All of a sudden, like overnight, she was no longer the person that I married and that I had agreements with and that we had, she wasn't that person anymore. And so I don't want to be reminded. It's like, it's, it's sort of like if you're an abuse in an, in an abusive relationship and you finally move out, you don't move down the fucking block. You move as fucking far away from that abusive relationship as you possibly can. And one of the things, and I'm not going to move to Europe or china so one of my ways of moving away and being allowed to heal myself the way i have got to heal is to just get rid of any reminder of what a fucking cuckold i was pain removal is different for everybody yeah it, that's just how i deal, deal with everybody. it i have
0: i have thrown away very few photos of of exes and it It hurt my heart during the pain removal process. And at the time, even, no matter how angry or even over it I was or sad or, you know, it still hurt. Like, like this is, I'm, I'm removing that part of my life, that memory, but the memory's not gone. No. It's all still there. I can remember with Carolyn, I had a, um, montage. That's not the right word. Um, Collage. Collage. Thank you um of photos from us Uh, and i can remember i was living in vegas and i had my house and i was just moving shit around and i'd like put the photos i'd put that that frame of the collage away somewhere deep like and as i was moving out i came across and i was like i'm not bringing this with me to chicago right i don't need to what i did in a arguably potentially um immature and violent way and this was years after the, like I was over the relationship, but I just, I was going to like put a button on it. So I, I set it up in the backyard and I took my BB gun
1: and I just shot it Well, I broke the glass and then I tucked it. And I was well, like, it's yeah, done. The thing, it's very interesting. And I, I hadn't even thought about this until you said this. One of the things that uh Dana used to do was she would, she would get in these weird places in her brain and it would be like, all right, I have to. And I, you know, she would never use the word exorcise or whatever. Yeah. Um. She, she would get a photo of a, either an old boyfriend or a photo of herself or whatever. And if she wanted to get rid of that memory, she would, she would burn it. I mean, she used to build burn money too. Cause she thought that was funny, but she would burn it. Yeah. She would just burn it. And I don't see any difference between burning a photo and deleting A digital photo, just get rid of it. I don't want it anymore. I don't need to- deleting it in physical form. I don't need to see it anymore. I want to move past that part of my life. I don't, you know, and I get it. If you don't understand, again, everybody deals with it differently. This is how I deal with it. I grew up and it was instilled in me by my grandfather and my stepfathers and my mom is that once you're done with someone, you're done. Yeah. Period. And, and part of being done is I don't need to have on my screen, a reminder of that person. I don't need that. That doesn't, that does not, again, it does not for me, it does not help me move in any direction, but backwards. And so I get rid of it. So I, I I have no, I have no barriers for me moving forward. And arguably, you know, you can say what you want to say. Um. A year and a half and change after finding out that my wife had been a prostitute for two and a half years, we get a divorce. Um, I write a book where I'm literally bleeding onto the page. I'm I I went through I gained a lot of weight. Literally bleeding onto the page. Well, okay. I was figuratively you're, you're I, metaphorically bleeding onto the page. Sure, whatever. Um, I felt like I was bleeding on the page. Uh, after all of that, I would argue, um, my process seems to be working pretty well because a year and a half later, one of her clients writes a review. And my reaction is that's fucking awesome. Not, not to crawl into a bottle and whine and cry. It's like, I, all right. So whatever my process is for me, it works. So there you go. Yeah. It's, it, and I mean, you, you
0: just skipped ahead a bit but i, I had to it. the final it's the paragraph here weirdest thing so it ends you know so uh how can you delete the photographs of someone who you claim to have loved for seven years is your ego that fragile i appreciate the author for writing this book and sharing his perspective with the world i also thank him for his immense contributions to public media especially npr in chicago where did that's, I, I,
1: that's exactly? I, I have no idea where that comes from. What I can say is Matthew, if if you are if you are listening, um, thank you. I appreciate your uh, I appreciate your review. I like that it was five stars. Um, I thought, yeah, like I said, it's a weird. I mean, Joe's comment was, "Damn, the review's longer than the book," but at least he gave you some good stars. And It's like, okay, if it's if if that five star review sells one more book, thank you. I'm fine, yeah. but I, I appreciate that he read it. He bought it. He read it. And uh, I don't know if he got anything out of it. I think he misrepresented a few things. But again, that's, that's the, the thing. That's
0: the thing with art. It's, it's subjective. To, it is up to, it's subjective. Yeah, it, it is
1: not up to me what he gets out of it. And so, and you know, and that's the thing is I wrote a piece uh, that'll pop up. Uh tomorrow on the ape. It, it, it's not an argument, it's just like some clarification, kind of what we're doing today. It's just like it's just a little bit of clarification in case yeah. he wants to know. I it doesn't really matter to me what he thinks. You know, it's people are going to think what they want to think of you based on what they have, what information they have available to you. And you know, it's it's it, one of the things that it was, and, and this jumps back to a completely different controversy, but, you know, it's like uh, there was a period in 2003 where uh, I was accused in the Sun-Times of forging uh PPA license for our theater and all this kind of stuff. And it was pretty apparent, even to the point where I could demonstrate that I had paid, I could demonstrate that I had paid for it. But we didn't, you know, and I had a license, but apparently it was a forged license or whatever. I never saw the license after they took it. But when I went to court, they basically told me, yeah, we know you didn't do this, but you were put in a gag order. Okay, fine. The question wasn't whether I did it or not. The the, the question was, why is it that so many people believed I did? Mm -hmm. And the reason they believed I did is because they wanted to believe that. That's it. There, there was, and there was no amount of me explaining to them or telling them or even demonstrating evidence that indicated that I had not done it. None of that mattered. They believed it because they wanted to believe it. And that's okay. I mean, I, I, I don't har- harbor any. It. It's like, ah, whatever. That's, I mean, why they wanted to believe it is a different question entirely.
0: And if Matthew is listening, I just want to add on to it and say, again, thank you for reading it. Yeah. Thank you for supporting Literate Press and my friend Don Hall. Thank you for writing a, a review that is fair. I mean, it's like it's a great book. Here's why it's not a perfect book. Yeah. But it's a it's a good read. And hey man, do your polyamory thing. That's fucking awesome. Have yeah. fun. Don't make us, you know, boring monogamous brats feel bad about just wanting to fuck and have experiences with just one other person. Yeah, yeah. That's either either way is fine. Either way is fine.
1: Warsack of the News. Your first Rorschach. Your first Rorschach in no shit. Really? Who could have predicted this? <laughs> Meta to 2020 election deniers advertise here. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Meta used to be Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um ha, are now are are now saying pretty much directly it's uh, saying 2020 election deniers if you have misinformation about the election, we want you to advertise here on Meta.
0: How are they saying this? What is the story? Like are they <laughs> Um well, let me Are they putting up like billboards or like
1: geo-targeting people going to MAGA rallies? Hold on. Meta's Meta's lax policy on political ads, a policy which has sadly been in effect for many months, allows for weaponization and heightened disinformation on Meta's products. Now is an urgent moment for Meta and other platforms to do more, not less, for better and safer user experiences. The decision that Meta do is that, is that they perceived those losses at the ballot as permission to loosen up. Today, the newspaper explained the company quietly decided to allow political ads falsely claiming that the 2020 election was stolen to appear on the platform once again on free speech grounds. Who could have seen this coming?
0: Learn. They just don't learn. They just don't care. It's all about money. Fuck Meta. Fuck Mark Zucker turd. I just fuck him. Yep. It's not up. free speech when it's lies.
1: It's your... Lying to hurt people. Fuck off! Yeah. Number two. In next up, a rock opera about her vagina. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow ski trial musical to debate to de- debut in London. What?
0: I, you know, I got to give it to Gwyneth Paltrow, man. She she's won an Oscar. She's created this goop thing that is about her vagina but successful and (laughs) had this weird uh this weird trial and i didn't like get too deep into it but i think the guy was just like hunting for money like oh there's a super rich person i'm gonna figure out a way to get money out of her yep and then they turn it into a musical (laughs) i mean gwyneth good on you girl go get
1: them number three in no shit Really? Who could have predicted this? Marvel hits a new low. Now what?
0: Oh, Marvel! <laughs> so I talked to my boss at work, who's a, you know, is a big, big comic book guy. He's got his own comic book co- podcast. Um, I asked him if he saw the Marvel. I'm
1: assuming we're talking about the Marvels specifically, well, it, or is this just... A- no, this is this is a whole thing where. Um, First of all they realized that they've overdone Marvel's really died uh in terms of box office. Jonathan Majors is now uh going to be a convicted domestic abuser so their big tent pole bad guy is gone. Um they they they're suffering losses and losses and one of the things that they reported is that there was going to be there were going to be like four movies released in 2024. There's now only one Marvel film going to be released in 2024, and that is Deadpool 3. Deadpool 3. So, they're in trouble, and who could have seen that coming? No. They don't have to be. They really don't. What they
0: could do is say, we told a lot of really good stories. We made some good TV. We made some really good movies. Well done. Let's take our gold watch and have our, our retirement party and eat that shitty ice cream cake. And let's just go. Kevin Feige, 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 yeah. He will go down in history as one of the greatest movie producers of all time. Or, did it. or the did. guy,
1: or the guy that got to the mountain and then stumbled all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. Like I'm at the top and then slipped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the legacy. All right. Causing an avalanche and, yeah, they're
0: just they they just spread themselves too thin. They got way they bit off way more than they could chew. Yes, they and mean. it it suffered. The Jonathan Majors thing not their fault. No, it's not, not their, fault. their fault at all. No. Um you know, who could have seen that coming except for Kang himself? Dwink.
1: Number 4 in Tok talk, talk is definitely not indoctrinating kids. We promise. No, seriously. Wait, Tok? Talk, talk? That's just what I called it. TikTok. <laughs> okay. TikTok removes hashtag for Osama bin Laden's letter to America after viral videos circulate. I want to give you a little, I want to give you a little, uh, a little uh, yeah. left leftist American kids are discovering Osama bin Laden's manifesto letter to America. And boy, do they love it. How they misunderstood, how misunderstood bin Laden was, Oh, how beautiful his message is and why they're asking, have they been so thoroughly lied to about the Emir of Al-Qaeda? Here's an example. This morning, I read Letter to America, which is Osama bin Laden's letter to America, explaining what... Explaining why he attacked Americans, and I am ashamed to say that I not only have never read this letter, but I didn't even know this letter existed. It's wild and everyone should read it. However, be forewarned that this has left me very disillusioned. I feel a little bit confused, like I've entered in another timeline. Another woman said, I just read Letter to America, and I will never look at life the same. It's all happened on TikTok. Okay. Well, Reading
0: Letter to America by Osama bin Laden, which is bin Laden's letter to America, (laughs) (laughs) is a completely reasonable thing to do. Why did, why did the person who caused the greatest attack on American soil killed and and targeted innocents, not even a military complex where innocents happened to, civilians happened to die, right? We know what happened on 9-11 because we'll never forget. Understanding that is really important to the world that we live in, to your worldview. Because um, I get why he did it. Like, yeah. I fully understand why people don't or didn't like America then. Like, you know, I, I, I knew it then. And when it happened, I totally understood it then. Um, the problem is if you're like siding with him, there's still the problem with, okay, so you feel this way. But do you kill thousands of innocent people who are just trying to go to work so they can put diapers on their kids' dirty ass? Like, is that come on. You gotta
1: you gotta read this shit with nuance and understanding. And But TikTok isn't about nuance and understanding. It's about Chinese propaganda. And, and it's dance about, and it's dancing about dance. Your shit. Look, yeah. Yeah, showing your shit. All right, number five, in no shit. Really? Who could have predicted this? One-third of United States newspapers as of 2005 will be gone by 2024.
0: Wow. Yeah, I mean, I remember it was easily 2005 or six. There was a lot of because I was still in journalism. I was still writing for magazines and papers and things. There were a lot of conversations. I went to speaking engagements and, you know, talking about like what we do. Here's how we we need to pivot. Here's how we can pivot. Here are ideas. And for some reason, for almost 20 years, newspapers just couldn't figure it out. They, I don't think they figured it out on, on the uh, digital. Like if they say, fuck it, we're just leaning totally digital. They didn't figure it out there. Paywalls aren't good because that's. Nobody's going to pay a paywall for a newspaper. You're just not going to do it. I, I, I don't, and I don't know what the answer is. You know, I didn't spend the time this, figuring out the science behind this. Uh, it's it's really unfortunate, and it's really, I I think continues to be twenty years later. It continued to be short sighted every step of the way. It's why why can't we evolve? Like I feel like with newspapers with energy in the
1: united states like why can't we evolve we're going to talk about that in the six things uh and finally in captain of titanic sue's iceberg (laughs) musk threatens thermonuclear lawsuit as ex ad boycott gathers pace Mm -hmm. you read about this I didn't because if anything, right. think right. about X, I'm just like I don't fucking. Well, care. Well, well, first of all, Musk, uh, is, you he's, he's allowing, he's allowing a lot of anti-Semitic uh, uh, ads, and these, I mean, you know, like Apple and AT and T, they're suddenly seeing that these ads are right next to their shit. They don't want that, and then Musk has actually come out and said some pretty uh, anti-Semitic shit on under his tag on X. And now everybody's pulling out. They're like, fuck you. We're not going to support your anti-Semitic bullshit. And so he's threatening to sue them because they don't want to advertise next to his anti-Semitic bullshit.
0: I know this guy is, is he officially like diagnosed? Yeah, he's he's autistic.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm sure acts like it. (laughs) There's a little, there's a little, there's a little spectrum shaming. Sorry. I
0: want to leave room for that. You know, like that he's he perceives the world in a a different way than the majority of people perceive it, so to him this <laughs> get, like like the letter to America from Osama bin Laden, which is bin Laden's letter to America <laughs> I I understand why he's doing this. He feels attacked. He feels that he is wronged. And so he's going to go nuclear on it. And of course, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. That's like, I'm no attorney, but that's pretty fricking obvious. You can't sue people for not wanting to, you know what that is? That's a kind of, that's a kind of like rape. Like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to date me and sleep with me. Well, I'm going to make you. Mm -hmm. No, no. Elon Musk and... Zuckerberg and meta I just God why and Trump like why can't they just people like this just go away or we stop elevating them up why do we allow these people to this is the cream that rises to the top I'm glad I'm lactose intolerant
1: and now Woe of the week to ponder and you consider life's resting suicide.
0: This is from a uh German philosopher or German author. Um excuse me, not German. Gustav Flaubert was French. Okay. French novelist. Jesus, David. Um, he's been dead since 1880, but I think that there is still some truth to this quote. There is no truth; there is only perception.
1: I think that's some fucking nonsense, but I get it. There is, there is truth, um, I, I, and, and I'm not going to say that it's ob- you know, truth in an objective sense. Um, I think, uh, I think objectivity is sort of a, a, a um, um, I don't think it's a myth. I think objectivity is a goal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I've said, cause I get the whole postmodernist, like there is no truth. There's no reality. It's all what I think it is. Ugh. Well, okay. That's great. If you live, like a prehistoric polyamorous person and just randomly run around like a fucking horny dog and fuck every hole you can find. Okay. However, if we're going to live in a society with 8 billion people, there has to be in for, in order for that to work, a general agreement among peoples that these things are true. Mm -hmm. Okay. For example, the color blue, we call it blue, um, but blue it can be called anything. You could call it, you could call the color blue anything you want, as long as enough of us can sit and say, "I agree, that is blue." Red, more importantly, if if it's all just up to perception, well, somebody can see a red light, but they don't they don't agree that it's red. So they don't have to follow traffic laws. Well, it's if your percep- if your perception is whatever you want it to make, you see red and it and we know we know the law is you must stop at a red light. But if you decide that your perception is that that red that is not red, that is jaundice. And you just decide, and then you get pulled over for running a red light. You say, no, that was a jaundice light because my perception is truth. My perception is reality. It's a bunch of, I get it. It's a great argument. It's also not a very pragmatic way to live among other people. So for colorblind people, blue is not always the blue that we,
0: the most of that, you know, that has been agreed upon. And that's not their fault. That's their they can't help but perceive it that way. Sure. So if we go with the traffic light example, you know, red is at the top, yellow, green. Yeah. We all know that. So even colorblind people can see when that top light is illuminated, that means stop. Yeah, but if a colorblind if you turn person it on the side is always in the same spot. If
1: if a colorblind person right to the left says says, says the right. that there there is no such thing as top top is, uh, uh, is uh, okay. a is meta- I do not see okay. that as the top I see that as orange and it's like the thing is if there and again I I hear you but if we allow the very small percentage of people to control the overall agreement of what things mean um then we don't have any kind of agreement period that is why we have
0: Arguments. That yes. is why we have disagreements. Because to you know, let's just go back to the conversation. To Dana, your marriage is one way. She yeah. perceived it through this. This is her lens, how she saw it. Your lens is different. Your yeah. oh, yeah. of it is different. So when you come back to it, and you both say the truth, your you know what you perceived is the truth. I mean there is an actual truth there. But yeah. the problem with people is that our perceptions and our baggage and our experiences all well, form it goes back it's, to
1: what do you why do you believe what you believe? I agree with this quote. No, I don't I, agree with that I, quote. Just as much as I disagree with it. I I I I understand the quote, but I also think that if perception, individual perception is reality, mm-hmm. then um from across the street, you're an Arab terrorist because you kind of could be one. And from across the street uh, or, or right up in front, um, a giant fat person is there because they eat too much, which isn't always the it's not always the case. Um, If perception is always the reality, you make it. We're in a lot of fucking trouble because. That's not how that's how stereotypes are fomented. That is how uh, racism is granted and, and expanded is based solely on individual perception rather than a generalized societal agreement on what things are. So, like I said, I don't think there is an objective truth in many things. But I, you know, I, does gravity exist? That's an objective truth. Truth, yeah. You know, does, uh, is smoking unhealthy for you? That's a fucking truth. That is, do, do, is climate change caused by man-made means and fossil fuels? That is an absolute undeniable
0: truth. I'm going to correct you there. Climate change is not caused by man-made stuff. This exacerbated climate change we're experiencing now is caused by climate change has been happening for billions
1: of years well yeah no no but the 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 the, 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 yes yeah something the the exacerbation of climate change there are objective truths and then there's subjective truth And subjective truth is i really like don's book about the prostitute or i really hated it that's a subjective truth that's okay you know, uh, I don't it's, like. And it's like this. I don't it's like, like sushi. Does that make sushi just shitty? No, I don't like it. That's my subjective truth. There's got to be a no, difference that, between those two. That's your objective truth that you don't like it. If sushi is good or
0: bad, that your becomes objective truth. Yeah. is- and yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like this: like if you're an asshole to somebody, like if you're being an asshole to me, and I say, "Don, dude, you're being kind of a dick right now," and you say, "Well, that's your perception. Deal with it." Yeah, that's well. Then you're just an asshole. Versus, oh hey man, I'm sorry you perceive it that way. I don't mean it like that. Or I'm sorry. What? Okay, sorry you heard that. Let's let's talk about. It. Then you get to a better place. But when you just sit in the perception as reality is absolute. Yeah. Everything's fucked. It fucks everything, and that is an objective truth.
1: There are six things you should do this week.
0: My first thing was a surprise for me last night. I sat down, I was super tired. Grandma, my grandma was over here. Harry went down early to bed with her in the basement. They watched their TV in bed and snuggling. Jake was in bed I um, think Katie went upstairs to take a bath. And I sat down and watched a little TV. And I turned on Apple TV and I'm like, let's see what's, I'm gonna watch the the Monsters, the Legend of Monsters, oh, or whatever that uh, is. Mon- Monarch. Monarch, the Legacy of Monsters. Legacy of Monsters. It's good. I don't know because I got distracted because season four of For All Mankind oh is here <laughs> and I've recommended this before. That's the show about um, it's so outer good. space and the space race. And just to recap, what's so cool about it is one, it's space, which is like you love and that. The yeah. visuals are great, but the other thing is that it's history because what happens in the first season, the Russians land on the moon first, and how that affects everything in the world. So now season four. We are, we are in 2003. Yep, we've colonized the moon internationally. Um, everyone's getting along great. We have colonized Mars. Everything's get, like there is working with. I mean, there's still some tensions that we're getting into with North Korea. Okay, but um, and, and at the beginning of the first episode of each season, they do a montage of news clips. I love that. And some of them are familiar. Like they happen exactly as they did. Like there was one from last night where, you know, Mike Tyson bites Evander Holyfield's ear off. But what's different, JFK Jr. didn't die in that plane crash. So like whatever whatever, like the, the butterfly effect, right? Like well, who knows his, what I the love. A- thing, well, the other thing is that we have we've had our first female president who was openly gay. She served eight two terms, eight years. Her vice president was George H. W. Bush. Yeah. George H. W. Bush runs against Al Gore in two thousand. Gore beats Bush in two thousand. It's just the different Bush. Yeah. It's, it's the, a well, well,
1: the thing I like about about for all mankind, and it's the thing that I really is is that uh, we go back to the Marvel and what now. Um, I love yeah. the concept of a multiverse, and really, uh, what for mankind, for all mankind is is a deep dive into what a multiverse actually might look like. Yes. And it's really detailed and it's thoroughly, I think it's very smart TV. It's very, I'm, I'm holding, I haven't watched any of season four yet because I'm, I'm, I'm saving certain things that I want to save. Cause I know that in the next couple of months there, because of all the strikes, I be no fucking TV to watch. So I'm holding on to shit that I know that I'm going to love for that point, my first thing, all three of my things are reads. My first thing in this, uh, it's an obscure uh, outlet. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called The Atlantic. Um, it's the best title. I, I want to take Charlie Warzel, who wrote this, and I want to punch him in the face. I love this title so much. It is about the vegas sphere and it's it's a whole breakdown of what it's like to be in that sphere and why people love it and that kind of stuff the title is sphere and loathing in las vegas it's a great fucking read i read
0: that It is. i really love
1: that read yeah it was really fun there
0: was a line in there where it, it's i think it's pretty early in the story i copied it and sent it to Jarrett because i just wrote this sounds like you when when they refer to las vegas as a Goat rodeo.
1: <laughs> it's, just, it's just a great yeah. piece of writing. I was very... I loved it. Uh, my next thing
0: uh, to do is... Oh, shit. What is it? Oh, it's a watch. Um, you recommended this last week, and so I did it, so I'm just going to double down on it. It's on Netflix. Old Dads. <laughs> this movie... First of all, the the funniest joke. Well, it's not the best joke, but it's a really good joke. It's right up front in the opening credits. It's where it says that this is a Miramax film, <laughs> which is Harvey Weinstein's. Yeah, company. yeah, 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 yeah. He's no longer involved. So yeah, it, like, yeah, cool. but, but yeah, it, just, it made it's, me laugh. It's very funny. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's very funny, and it you know for a guy in his forties who is a dad to young kids, I like. It, it connected a lot you feel the, built, the truth I, I feel the truth i <laughs> feel her a lot anyway like yeah with his, totally totally um with his character but it is it's a very funny movie it's very sweet um i think it's honest it kind of like i don't know at the end it gets a little like it gets a little and snappy Wrap. we're rap, wrapping things yeah, up yeah yeah we, we got ending. yeah 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 but like, it's, it's still, still fun it. it's, it's still crazy, fun yeah yeah, My second thing on Netflix,
1: old dad's got to watch it. My second thing is in Politico, Politico Europe, EU by Carl Matthiessen. Does the architect of Europe's green deal truly understand what he's unleashed? And what I like about this article is it, it makes it very clear based on this man's experience with uh coal mining towns in the Netherlands that that for us to truly embrace uh, a, a, an eradication of fossil fuels and and really focus on green energy, a lot of fucking people are going to get completely destroyed. Like whole towns, whole areas. And it's, it's – Washington Post did something I thought was actually pretty interesting uh, pretty recently where they just did – they just showed pictures, just pictures of the aftermath of mass shootings. And what I thought was interesting about this article is we can all theoretically say, I'm down for green energy, I'm down for getting rid of fossil fuel, it's a a, a greater evil coming, the, the 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 planets warming up, all this. But when you look at the human cost in this entrenched society how many people will have their lives and livelihoods completely destroyed in order to do this. It's, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm just saying, I like this article because it says, yeah, we got to do this, but a lot of people are going to get fucked over and it's going to destroy entire regions just because we have to do this. And it's recognizing the pain and sacrifice that will come at the cost of uh, fomenting some, uh, some fight back against the, the massive climate change we're, in, we're dealing with right now. Really good article. Yeah. My next thing, my last thing to do this week, is
0: another watch, also on Netflix, The Killer. Oh, yes. With Michael Fassbender. I'm, um, glad, let me, I'm glad you got to this because I, I, yeah, I, oh, it's so good. I want to run through a couple notes because it's, it's a good movie. I loved it. But it's a, it's a comedy, right? Because he's kind of like Mr. Bean. In that, <laughs> in that the, entire, the entire plot exists and builds because he can't get anything right. Sorry, spoilers here. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Turn, turn it off. Turn it off. I'll give you time to turn it off. Do that, ahead a few seconds. do that,
1: do that, do that, 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 that liberal activist scream right now. And then you won't yeah. hear it.
0: <laughs> so he misses the shot. Then he kills Hodges, the lawyer too quickly. <laughs> so he doesn't have enough time to get the information out of him. Doesn't give the dog enough drugs. Like, I don't know how he managed to kill Swinton. This just, see, it, here's what the I other thing though,
1: is that uh, the tension, the Go ahead, go ahead. Well, what I loved about it, my my favorite uh, and i uh, My favorite Mission Impossible is Ghost Protocol. And the reason it's my favorite Mission Impossible is that Brad Bird directed it and what he introduced to the Mission Impossible world was that shit doesn't work sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, and you do you know, the classic scene where he's out on the, uh, the, 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 the fucking building on a side of the building with the two like magnetic so gloves and, are, yeah. and one of the fucking gloves just doesn't work. And it's like, okay, there is stakes there. What I really liked about this movie is it was, it, it's sort of like John wick, but sort of the recognizing the reality that if you're a contract killer, things might go wrong. And if they go wrong, what the fuck's going to happen? And that's ultimately why I love this movie is it's like, okay, he's a very good, very successful contract killer. And yet, well, you know, and the thing is, I'm sure other things went wrong because he's got the mantra where he's saying this over and over. The reason you come up with a mantra that specific is because you fucked up in the past you've forgotten something. And so now you have to remind yourself every time you go do this. And so what I think is funny is that no matter how good you are at your job, life intervenes and maybe you don't drug the dog enough and you have to escape the dog at the end. After I just think everything about this movie was, maybe it is a comedy. I hadn't really thought of the Mr. Bean thing. That's hysterical, but I loved it. I loved I mean, it. the t- The tension building is great. The VO, oh, that the first twenty
0: minutes or so, is, you know, at the beginning, it's is so good. The release yeah. of this tension, other than the beginning, um, is a little lackluster. Like the client chapter six, that that last uh, see that, that's, last chapter. See, I love that, but it was it I was didn't surprising. think surprising. So. Well, I thought that. I, I mean, I guess it had to end with him having that talk with the client. Rather than the incredible, intense showdown with Tilda Swinton,
1: yeah, because that yeah. that was that's what that's that that is a, a centerpiece. Now Bob and I had talked about that because he was like, "Why did why did you know?" I I thought it was crappy that he let the the client go, and I Something said, "Like that?" I said, "No." He says in in the voiceover, he says in the fucking elevator, once I look at this guy, look into this guy's eyes, I will know what happens next. Yeah what i like about that is it it defines the character of the killer in a much more complicated way he's not just revenge on everybody he's revenge on the people that that actively were a participant in harming his beautiful Emily. girlfriend or whatever it was and when he realizes that uh, that this guy is not that really didn't have anything to do with it other than he was the money behind it had no idea he lets him go because the guy wasn't you know and, and that makes the character i think far more interesting than if he was just john wick killing everybody and I liked that. I liked it. I yeah. thought it was great. Great movie. I yeah, love the movie. It could have been a short film. Oh, um, God. It was so it a short th- film. But those, those
0: first 20 minutes. Like, it's just perfect, great. Perfect example of building tension and
1: releasing that. Tension. Yeah, it was. It's, perfect. A, it's a great movie. And my final thing is also a read in the Atlantic by Olga Kazan. These teens got therapy. Then they got worse. And what this basically is, it's a study, um, uh, a, a long-term study of the effectiveness of therapy on depression among teenagers. And what they're starting to discover is that because teenagers are not fully formed personalities at this point, that, uh, therapy has the potential to make things far worse than better. And I thought that was an interesting, uh, I thought it was a very interesting read and a different take on uh, a lot of issues that we're kind of dealing with in 2023.
0: Yeah. That's the show. Thank you, Matthew, for reading the book and giving us a topic today. Thank you, Don, for just being you. Yeah.
1: I'm back at you, buddy. All right. We'll talk next week. Bye. Bye. You can listen to the Literate Ape cast on literateape.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you go to get that delicious podcast experience. If you enjoy the dulcet sounds of two white guys babbling about whatever comes into their stunted brains, leave us a review anywhere that, you know, re- reviews are left and share it with someone whom which you have a dubious relationship.
0: For information about Literate Ape Go to LitteredApe.com, of course, and check out the rest of our podcasts and our years of scribbling. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Phanopel and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at localmotiveband.com.
1: The fuck?